You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hi, all. Bridget here. We had the pleasure of chatting with celebrated beverage professional and dear friend Chris Patino. Chris is a brand partner, bar owner, and founder of Simple Serve. But more importantly, he is a friend of so many, a wonderful father of three beautiful children, and a dedicated husband. Chris uses his journey to bring awareness and to raise money for cancer survivors, research, and so much more. This episode will inspire you as my friend, Chris, is a true warrior. So grab your favorite Maker's Mark cocktail and enjoy the show. Chris, welcome to Served Up. Julie and I are really happy that you've joined the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Bridget. It's an absolute pleasure. Great. Thank you. Um, You know, can you tell our listeners what brought you into the beverage industry? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I grew up in a family where alcohol, it was celebrated. It wasn't taboo. It was something that was at every family get together or holiday. In fact, you know, I, I, there are pictures of me at a young age. I won't, I won't say the age, obviously, because there's, you know, restrictions there. But I'm, I'm at a young age where I was the bartender at family holidays and gatherings. And so I've always been comfortable around it. And my family was kind of a very, it's a very European upbringing in the sense that my dad was born in Ireland, in Northern Ireland. Uh, my mom um, was, you know, first generation uh, in America from an Italian background. Um, and my heritage. I'm actually 50-50 split down the middle. Uh, I did one of those um, 23 and Me things and it came back. It was like Irish and Italian. Wow. And there, was not, there was nothing really else in there. Nothing in between. That's crazy. Yeah. I was looking for some surprises. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to be surprised, um, but it was pretty much what I've always thought. So uh, interesting enough. So, you know, so it was one of those things where after college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I don't think anyone really does. Very few people. I, I, I My hat's off to people who like know exactly what they want you know, from day one, I got into the skateboarding business pretty heavily. I worked for Tony Hawk for quite a while. Uh, I worked for some of his competitors for a while. Um, and that was kind of my thing growing up in Southern California. You know, I was into skateboarding and surfing and all the things that happen, you know, <laughs> in Orange County. And then I, I had a, a pretty bad accident where I broke my ankle really, really bad, um, where they had to put tons of hardware in there and reconstruct it basically. Mm. Once that happened, I kind of became disenchanted with that. And maybe it was the, the rite of passage of just growing up a little bit more. I, I was like, okay, well, what, what now? And so I, I kind of bounced around from jobs, you know, whether they were temp jobs or, you know, I ended up at like an accounting firm as a, an account executive, uh, an executive assistant, excuse me, for a while. And that was miserable. And I was just looking for something, you know, I didn't know quite what it was. One of the, one of the like kind of the silly things I did right after graduating from college was I went to one of those bartending schools, the schools where you get like the, the garnishes are like sponges, you know, like cut up sponges yeah. for lemons and um, you're using colored waters to make drinks. But I did that, you know, and they promised like, we'll help you with job placement and all this stuff. And they don't, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did that. And, and I, and I, I, and I moved on. And so fast forwarding a handful of years later, I, I convinced my then girlfriend, now wife, to move to New Orleans with me. It was one of those things where I had been there several times. I enjoy New Orleans. I still, I've never felt more at home than I do when I'm in New Orleans. And in fact, a lot of people think I'm from, I'm from there. I'm not. Um, I just, I just lived there for a while. Um, but I lived there at the right time. I would say I lived there at kind of like the turn of this whole cocktail renaissance. And so I convinced her to move out there with me. She had got a job. She's a teacher uh, by trade. And so she had signed up to be a part of, uh, it wasn't, it was like a teaching fellow program. So they had job placement and she was set. So it was kind of like, it took a little bit of the risk away, right? To just go and drop everything and do this. Cause we literally packed up our cars and drove out to New Orleans. Like that's, that's how wow. it went. 
So I was like, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> and so I, and this is, you know, really the internet was still kind of new then. So I was constantly just looking through the Times Picune, which is a, the paper in New Orleans. I was looking through the help wanted section on a pre- pretty regular basis. And, you know, so one day I happened upon an ad uh, for, for a bartender wanted down in the French Quarter at an Irish pub down in the French Quarter. And I went down there and I interviewed. And again, I could tell the person interviewing me definitely was not impressed. Like my my resume and my acumen for, for hospitality at that point was very, basically nothing. You know, it amounted to a stack of colored index cards with like recipes like the iguana on them, you know, and the chichi. <laughs> did, and did you create the grenade? <laughs> I wish, right? <laughs> the hand grenade. Oh man, yes. I can tell you a story. Um, okay. I so so I, I go down there and I I I know I'm bombing this interview. Um, uh, it's like I said, it's an Irish pub and and the um, the gal interviewing me is, is obviously she was Irish. And so as we're kind of shaking hands at the end and I am you know ready to leave, I just mentioned I just kind of I don't know I just turned around and I said, oh, and by the way, my dad was born in Ireland. You know, <laughs> I like just ah blurted that out and that kind of like. I could tell like the change things that was like, okay, okay. Maybe, maybe you aren't so bad. It's kind of like the impression I got, or there's gotta be something right about you if you're, if you're Irish. Uh, and so they gave me the job and, um, and I, I didn't, I wasn't very proficient at it. Again, you didn't have to be back then. Uh, I was an Irish pub. I was pulling pints and pouring shots and, you know, funny enough. And I tell people this free will that, you know, people would come in and ask for like a hurricane, which is, you know, obviously a, a drink that was created in new Orleans and, I, I don't know if I made it the same way twice. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I knew the basics of what was in it or, you know, that, uh, that I had to put some, some kind of juice in there and some kind of, you know, grenadine that, you know, no one was talking about fascinola back then, you know, mm-hmm. it was, yeah. it was, there was basic recipes. Um, I, I, I made, I made it by, uh, just by doing that. But the one thing for me that, that changed things was that I would note there were always sales reps coming in. Right. And, and back then, they didn't really know or care about what they were selling. They just knew they needed to sell a bunch of it, you know, and if it was a new product that needed placed or some case deal that they had. And I wasn't even in the position of buying, you know, I was literally the bartender who would just kind of sit while working mostly day shifts, uh, you know, at that, at that point and listen to the conversations being had. And I just kind of sat there and I thought I could do that. Uh, you know, I, I was already into picking up bottles and learning about them or reading about them or asking about them, you know, and trying to figure out what, what they were, what was in them or the history behind them. So I'd already had that kind of bug. And so I applied to be a distributor sales rep at Glazers in New Orleans, which is now Southern Glazers. And, um, and sure enough, they hired me. I got a job. I replaced a gentleman named Sal. I don't even remember his last name. And I wish I did. Um, he passed away. Mm-hmm. He had been a sales rep with Glazers for over 20 years. And his territory was, if you fly in, if you go to Tales of the Cocktail and you fly into New Orleans, that little bit you're flying over right as you hit the airport is called Kenner. And that's where my, that's where my route was. I was, I was a, a sales rep for Glazers in Kenner, Louisiana. <laughs> and I'm so glad that happened because I was this kind of cocky kid from California that moved to New Orleans. And if you've been to the South, if you've lived in the South, it's a different pace down there. And, 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 and now I, it's refreshing to me, mm-hmm. um, but you come in all cocky from California and I would, I was literally placed in this route and replacing Sal. And I could tell that Sal had been doing this job so long. People, they saw me and they're like, who's this guy? You know, what's this, <laughs> what's this kid doing here? But the funny thing was, is that Sal had gotten and God bless him, but he had gotten so comfortable in the job. And again, a different job back then. Think about how long he's he'd ago that was plus the 20 years he'd been doing it. You know, if, you, if you're a sales rep for, for Southern and you've been doing it a long time or you're in management now, you remember the word tells on. That still brings me nightmares. I, when I was a rep, they had just like, it, I caught the tail end of the tells on and then went to like a small, not even a computer. It was a small like device. But <laughs> anyway, I, I still get nightmares about the tells on. But um, <laughs> where was I? Oh, yeah. So, so Sal, he'd gotten comfortable in the job, I could tell. Because when I was showing up to these accounts, they're like, what are you doing here? You know, I'll just, I just call my order in. You know, like, mm-hmm. you're, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean there's better pricing on this? You know, <laughs> um, and so I just kind of, by showing up and by actually, like, my, my philosophy has always been, like, I'm a fan of the soft sell. I've never been pushy. And that's maybe why I, I ended up moving on. Even though I, even though I was successful, I, I like making relationships. I like networking. I'm a people person. I always have been. Mm-hmm. 
I'd come to these bars that were literally in the middle of nowhere or in neighborhoods, actually. It would be like a house, house, bar, house, house on a block, you know, and the bar was just right next door, you know? Mm-hmm. These are true neighborhood bars. And I would walk in and it'd be like nine in the morning and there'd be, you know, the same three locals there watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire every <laughs> Monday, you know? And and so I sat down with them, you know, and I, and I had conversations with not just the people behind the bar or the managers, but also the people sitting at the bar. Mm-hmm. And I slowly started to kind of feel like I became part of this community and that, that really helped my success. Um, I have a bit of, I suffer from imposter syndrome. So I I do get a little uncomfortable talking about myself, especially in like situations where it involves being successful. But one of my biggest claims of fame is that my name is still on the wall in Southern Glazers in Louisiana, because I was sales rep of the month so many times. And the only reason I didn't win sales rep of the year in 2005 is because hurricane Katrina came. Okay. Oh my goodness. And, wow. Yeah. And Hurricane Katrina, wow, what a what a what a thing. I mean, what just just what a catastrophe and just again, when you think of pivotal moments in life and and things happening for a reason or or by fate or whatever. Um I remember the night we weren't going to leave. We we were going to we were going to stay. We we didn't know what to do. We weren't from there. We didn't grow up in Louisiana. We had never been through a hurricane. I'm, when I say we we I mean my wife and I. Mm-hmm. Um and we decided Last minute, and I remember clearly. I was my boss's name was Kurt Veroni. He he was my my sales manager. And I I the night before Katrina hit, I called him up, and I'm like, Kurt, you know, um, I don't know, like, should I should I be worried? Like, this thing looks really. I'm watching the news. Like, there's like you can't even see the state of Louisiana is covered by this hurricane. And is it going to be as bad as they say it is? And what should I do? And you know, and Kurt says, Chris, let me tell you something. He's like, you know, I was born in new orleans i'm like yes he's like you know i've lived my entire life here you know i've been through hurricanes and i've never left i'm like yeah well you talk about that you know (laughs) and he goes you need to get the f out of there i'm in tennessee right now you know (laughs) i'm like i'm like okay so we packed up we packed up the car Uh, we drove up to baton rouge that was about as far as we could get because what baton rouge is normally a couple hour drive and it it took us eight hours to get to Baton Rouge that night because Holy cow. there was so much traffic. Everybody who had waited to the last minute to get out. And so we we made it to Baton Rouge uh, at, a, at a friend's uh, sister's house up there. And, you know, we crashed. And I remember waking up in the morning and because the storm was rough, even up there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there were trees down everywhere. And the house I was staying at lost power. And like, you know, it was bad up there. But I remember waking up to that. This, the eeriest calm that I've ever experienced in my life. Right. It was super early because we kind of tried to stay up all night just to like make sure we needed to run or whatever. (laughs) Right. um, And it was just eerie calm the next morning. And the the newspaper still came. I remember the headline saying Hurricane Katrina, a near miss. And soon after reading that headline, the the levees broke. And so, you know, it just puts all these things like, you know, and I I will say this. Southern or Glazers back then took care of us in the way that like any company could. Like I, I. I loved working for that company and, and um, the people I met there and the company, they definitely wanted to make sure all the employees were taken care of. And then, so they, they kind of tried to find me another job. I went to Austin, Texas. We literally, we didn't know what we could do because our house was down in the, in, uh, the garden district and we, they weren't allowing people back in. In fact, we were not allowed mm-hmm. to get back to our house for three months. They had that whole area closed for three months. So I kind of, Heather and I being from California, we kind of just kept driving West a little bit you know, and staying with friends. And so I ended up getting as far as Austin and Glazers, they, Glazers actually like had me work in Austin for a little bit, you know, keeping with shadowing some reps and doing things. And finally it was just, it was kind of too much. And we made a decision to move back to California, Heather and I. And so we did initially got a job back in the skateboarding business, which is, you know, <laughs> funny. I, I did, you know, this, I, my life had just been it yeah. put in the, through the ringer and in shambles. And so I, I called friends and like, you know, it was like, what can I do? Who do I know? And so I got a job um, at a skateboard company again. I won't mention the name. I don't know if I can or not. I don't know if that matters, but of course you can. <laughs> uh, do they okay. have a, a liquor license? No, I, yeah, they, they, they <laughs> sure like drank a, a lot. A lot meant- of my friends. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, but it was, it was dwindle and they owned like world industries and Blindside and uh, or blinds could be blind uh, skateboards and uh, a team and a bunch, bunch of brands um, that were very popular back then. But I, I, I kind of enjoyed my time with the liquor business, you know, and, and being a sales rep. I ended up going to Southern in, in Orange County and I got a job. I was a sales rep in Newport Beach mm. in Orange County, which um, it was tough. It was it was it was it was tough. Like, you know, Southern California is where a lot of things happen. And California being a big market was for sure one of those things where 
you put your head down and you, and you go. But again, I learned so much just by going through that experience and working in that environment again. But I had a new understanding of things now because I, I was, again, looking for information, looking for knowledge. And I like to think that, you know, this is about the time when Southern as well started kind of thinking about things differently and started putting more emphasis on trainings and putting mm-hmm. more emphasis on providing the reps with resources that maybe weren't existent before because the industry was changing. People started to care more. I think because we've entered this information age where mm-hmm. that, that transcends everything that you're into. You know, you can go online now and at the, you know, at your fingertips, just Google about something and learn what you hope is factual, <laughs> although that remains to be seen. Uh, mm-hmm. But you, the, the access is there. And so um, I did that for a, a year. Um, and then one day my phone rang. And it was somebody back in, in New Orleans. Uh, her name was Sharon Fasola. Um, she's no longer with us, but she was, she was great. She was one of, uh, it was Fortune Brands at the time. It became Beam. Fortune Brands, the Jim, the Jim Beam products, they also had Absolute Vodka and Plymouth Gin and Cruise and Rum and some other brands uh, as well in their portfolio. And she called me up and she's like, hey, Chris, how would you like to move back to New Orleans? And I was like, Sharon, I would like nothing more. Like, I, again, I caught the bug. Like, I, I still, and I said it earlier, it's like, I've never felt more at home than I do in New Orleans. So I wanted to get back. And I felt like we were kind of left. We didn't leave on our own terms. We were forced out by Hurricane Katrina. And she's like, okay, great. She's like, I have a job um, that I think you might be good at, or uh, maybe interested in. And it's it's something called a brand ambassador, (laughs) you know? (laughs) I was like, I don't know what that is, but yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. So went through the process, you know, uh, interviewed and then got the job and moved back to New Orleans. And when this happened, this is the early odd years of like Tales of the Cocktail starting. I, I was in a very fortunate position. And what I'm saying now too, I, I, I want to make clear that this is a lot of the words I'll use maybe came from other people that are still prominent in the industry in New Orleans. Because again, I don't like to take credit for a lot of things. But if someone else gives you credit, then it's all good, right? It's not Absolutely. my story anymore. It's our story. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and in fact, I have I have Neil Bodenheimer on, on video saying some stuff. So I can always, you know, if... If it ever comes up, I'll just play that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, uh, but that being said, it's like what I noticed was, you know, and working for, um, again, so it was Bean that hired, I was, I was a brand ambassador for Absolute Vodka and Plymouth Gin. I should mention that. Those are the brands I looked after. And um, as part of that, uh, funny enough, you know, when I, I didn't interview with the person who would become my boss, I interviewed with um, a regional sales manager and a local um, uh, state sales manager and, and uh, you know, a couple other people. And, uh, and so I hadn't even met the person who'd be my boss yet. And the first time I did, they, they flew me out to Vegas. They're like, okay, great. You're going to fly out to Vegas and you're going to meet the team. We've hired, we've hired six people in the U S to do this job. They're going to meet the team. And I show up in Las Vegas and, uh, I get the keys to the hotel room. And I could tell already, like, as I'm walking the halls that I'm going down towards the end to like this double door suite with like windows and this big facade and I opened the door and sure enough, it's Simon Ford on the other side. <laughs> Here's your boss, Simon Ford. Um, so, so anyway, uh, you know, that was something, but you know, one thing that, that he instilled in me was his passion for this industry is unparalleled and his knowledge, especially when it comes to things like gin and cocktails and history of cocktails is like really something special. And so I got the benefit of being under his tutelage for, for a number of years. And I could tell right away, that that was going to be a, a big impact on my life. So everything I learned initially and everything I, again, caught that bug. Uh, si- now having Simon as a resource was like, oh, what book should I read? What should I do here? What cocktail bars? Where should I go when I'm in this city? You know, he, he had already done it. He, he had pioneered that, right? So I was able to take that and I brought that to to New Orleans because, you know, New Orleans, again, and think of the, think of the time, and this is the early 2000s, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of things happening in San Francisco and New York and London and you know, and you talk about like the focus markets for, for brands and for, for sales, uh, programs. And even back then, like New Orleans wasn't in that, like that was a tertiary market, right? Even with tales of the cocktail starting up and even all that, it was a market that aside from Mardi Gras and maybe jazz fest, no one really paid a lot of mind to it, you know? And so I, my job was to go around to all the bars that I wanted to in New Orleans and talk about Absolute and talk about Plymouth Gin um, and Cruise and Rum at the time, actually, was was kind of one of my responsibilities. And I started realizing that like some cool things were kind of happening, but they were happening in, in silos and in pockets. And like Chris, I would go to see Chris Hanna um, mm-hmm. and 
talk to Chris Hanna and I'd be like, Hey, do you know what Neil's doing over at the bar he was working at at the time? And he'd be like, who, I don't know that guy. Or like, Hey, what about, you know, Danny Valdez? He's doing some cool stuff for Chris McMillan, the godfather of cocktails in new Orleans. You know, Mm -hmm. that's a guy who get who needs more credit. Um, Absolutely. He does. And he's, he's been a mentor to me since the day I met him, you know, Uh, but we would go. And so I would go around all these bars and see what they were doing and like watch, you know, kind of the process. And, and then I started doing things like, Oh, Hey, Chris, come with me. Let's go out tonight. And let's go see Danny, you know, or let's go see Neil and let's go sit at their bar. Let's go see Chris McMillan. Let's sit at, like some of the best experiences were sitting at Chris McMillan's bar, you know, and, and just watching him. And if you, if you have time, go on YouTube and watch his Ode to the Julep video, because if you ever go to his bar, order, order a mint julep, tell him Chris Patino sent you and make him recite the poem while he makes the drink. It's it, for me, it was one of those experiences I will never forget. It's like a top 10 in my life experience, you know? Um, and so I was doing all this. I started things like, hey, let's start a book club. Let's meet at this bar every Thursday night. Let's, so I, I kind of, what I did was I brought that community together mm-hmm. because even though Tales of the Cocktail had started and Tales is good for the city and, you know, it, it, it became big, which is great. It was small back then. And the thing that it wasn't really doing, it wasn't really focusing on New Orleans bartenders. It was bringing bigger bartenders to New Orleans, right? right? Bring right. Dale DeGroff to New Orleans, bring Tony right. Avogadro to New Orleans. Great, mm-hmm. which is awesome because then we got access to those people. But it was never really talking about the people who were working hard in that city, you know? And so I, I was able to bring everybody together. And that's kind of what I get credit for um, in that community, starting that, starting the community, uh, bringing people together. So, uh, and that's probably one of the proudest things that I'll ever, you know, <laughs> maybe not put on a resume, but talk about. And um, I think that's also why I have such a connection to New Orleans as well. That being said, I'm in New Orleans. I'm a brand ambassador uh, for Absolute Plymouth Gin and Cruise and Rum now. And I, I loved it. I, I loved it. I, I never wanted that to end, right? Mm-hmm. But but so is life. And uh, next thing you know, Absolute Vodka, which was owned by the Swedish government at the time. So it was very independent. It was very, a different working environment. You know, it was, uh, it was, it felt like, even though it's such a big brand, I felt like I worked for a family, you know? When they sold, they sold to Pernod Ricard, uh, I believe it was 2008 or 2009, mm-hmm. somewhere there. Uh, they decided that they no longer needed a brand ambassador in in New Orleans. That was kind of what they had decided. The new leadership, the new company, Pernod didn't have brand ambassadors. They didn't even know what we did, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the, the question I hate the most is, what do you guys do? <laughs> you get that a lot, right? <laughs> I we, get that a lot. Yeah, yeah. We, so. we, sell, we sell the unsellable. That's, that's mm-hmm. what I used to say. You know, it's like, and it's not about a 10 case drop. It's about... How, it's about building a relationship and selling multiple cases over multiple years, right? That's that's what we're doing. We're building connections. We're building bridges. We're inspiring. We're influencing. We're educating. They they basically they said, well, we like you though, you know, and you, you have a good reputation and you've done a lot of a lot of work. We want to figure out how to keep you. And this is this was 2008 because end of 2008 because the market had just crashed, if if you recall. And we owned a house in New Orleans, and the job that they offered me was in Dallas, and I was willing to take it. You know, I was willing to take it because I, I wanted to grow with that company and, you know, I saw opportunity, but I couldn't sell my house. So I actually, for almost a year, I commuted from New Orleans to Dallas. I would literally fly out almost every week for at least wow. a few days. And I lived in a Marriott hotel. Mm. Um, oh, I can't say Marriott, can I? You can. It's a big chain. There's lots of hotels. There's also Hyatt's and there's a like Wyndham. Hilton and there's, a, and there's Sheraton. There's so many hotels in, in The in Four Dallas. Seasons, uh, yes. Yeah. But you settled on the Marriott. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, point, a points hoarder. You know, I, yes. I, uh, I like collecting uh, free airline miles and hotel points. And um, now I can't use them. I got a ton of them that I'm sitting on, but hopefully one day again soon. So I, I did that. I commuted. I, I like the people I worked for, but the job they gave me, I was a field marketing manager for, for seven states. Hmm. And it just job. wasn't, it just wasn't me. Like, I like the people, I like the brands, but that's not, and I, after what I had done in New Orleans, it, you know, and then be in time behind the bar and stuff, I thought this isn't really me. And so I was, I was literally kind of coming towards the end of, of doing that. I couldn't keep commuting like that. And another call from Simon Ford and he's like, Hey mate, I've just got promoted. <laughs> which we both laughed about, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, how would you like to come to New York and take my old job? And I'm like, sold. New York City? I'll, I'll do it. Let's do it. Uh, I had been to New York, you know, a bunch because of the job and traveling to see him and getting to, you know, some of the best cocktail bars in the world out there. And so I was really, really excited to, to do this. And I think the title that they gave me at the time was like manager of brand education. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so I did that. And now and all of a sudden, 
not only am I still like kind of a portfolio ambassador, but I'm also managing other ambassadors. I'm helping to create programs internally with the brands. I'm helping to do things like bartender's breakfast at Tales of the Cocktail. Like that's something that, that was, by the way, that was Audrey Saunders' idea, but I happened to be the guy who had the connections in New Orleans. So they brought me in and I helped make that happen. And we made that a killer party for it nine was, years, nine years straight. That, that first was, year, I think our budget, I was going to say the first year, because you were there, mm-hmm. it was like, we had $10,000 to throw that party, you know? I, um, I was not, I, I bartended for you, actually. Oh, I was standing yeah. next to Tobin Ellis and I broke two ribs. That's a story for another day. <laughs> oh my goodness. How did I not know this? <laughs> Sorry. It's a story for another time, but I have all kinds of great tale stories, oh, but I was man, actually yeah. bartending and uh, Tobin, I remember standing next to, I believe it was next to Tobin. The funny thing about that party was everyone was bartending. Like, Everybody was bartending. Up. We took over that little restaurant. Oh yeah. my gosh. And we had set it up so that there was like, you know, we brought, I mean, some of the best bartenders in the world were behind the bar that night, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then there's me, I got, I gave myself a spot, a spot, you know, just to like be like, Hey, I'm making cocktails too, you know, but, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, that, 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 that night that in that party and that event, I think, you know, I like to think that that event helped to change tales of the cocktail and helped to really put that on the map as far as an event that like the next year people had to come. Because Absolutely. they had heard about things like bartender's breakfast. Um, and you actually served breakfast at the bartender's breakfast, by the way. Yeah, yep. that was it. That was it. Um, and mm-hmm. again, Audrey Saunders, you know, was was the brain behind behind that. Um, but that, that's it's super, super good memories. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where was I? Where, where am I now? I'm in New York City. <laughs> now you're in New York City. In Tell New York us about City. New York. <laughs> oh, man. And so, yeah, I love New York. I, I loved it. It was great working for uh, uh, the second largest spirit supplier in the world and working my way up to the position of uh, director of brand Advo- ed, uh, director of brand education and trade advocacy was was great. And then I had kids, you know, and once you have kids and you're in New York City and you're not making millions of dollars and it, it's hard. It's tough yeah. living in a small apartment with, you know, we ended up going from a one bedroom once the second child was born we had no choice but you know to a two-bedroom but still you know it was like 800 square feet and three people and a dog and a, and a mother-in-law that came to stay with us a lot which i'm not mad at because she certainly helped us um mm-hmm. but it was tough and so that was the writing on the wall was like hey now if i had i waited you know a few years i guess i could now everyone can work from wherever you know with with the current state and the pandemic and things like zoom you know, um, but, you know, for me, it was and it was a tough decision. And I, was, I, you know, I definitely was a little scared going into it because I'm like, I'm literally I have two kids now and we're leaving. We're just going to we're just going to leave New York and go back to California. And I don't know what I'm going to do. So I started putting a business plan together and I'm like, well, maybe I can do what I am doing, but I can do it for everyone. You know, I can I can do trade marketing. I can create killer brand programs and, and develop cocktails and do all the things that I've been doing for, for years. And and so I um, had some conversations and I put a business plan together. And fortunately, I was able to leave Pernod with a client. And uh, and that that client, um, it was Avion Tequila, uh, was my first client. And that actually is more relevant today than you would believe. Uh, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But you know, I really just went to them for advice. The way that that was set up was Pernod had the brand, but they didn't own it. They, they owned a percentage of it. And they, they um, the brand itself was owned by a gentleman named Ken Austin and his business partner, Jenna Fagnon. And um, I, I went to them for advice really uh, about starting, you know, they're entrepreneurs and, you know, am I crazy? What am I doing? And that was a brand for me though, that look, we all get caught up in things and there's definitely different clicks in our industry. And there's definitely certain brands that are touted more than others. And there's brands mm-hmm. that don't get the respect that they deserve. And there's some brands that don't deserve the respect that they get, you know? And, um, and that was one of those brands where, you know, I wasn't sure about it. I didn't really work on it when I was at Pernod. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if you're a tequila connoisseur, you know, aficionado, th- there are brands that you favor, right? And, and so I, I had questions. And so I ended up uh, going down to the distillery. Ken Austin actually said, he's like, let's, let's go down there. I want, you to, I want you to see what we actually do. And I want to show it to you. And, and if you have any questions or if it's not something for you, then no, no big deal. Right. No, mm-hmm. no, no loss. Uh, and I went down. And it was one of the experiences in my life where I literally was like, I was wrong about this brand. I, I, I wanted to believe all the rumors and the stuff. And I even worked for the company. But again, it all comes down to transparency. If you as a brand are being transparent then of course there's going to be people that question you. I think that the opportunity that Ken saw and what I saw on the other side was, well, this is the opportunity then to tell the real story, to tell people, mm-hmm. to be transparent, to like lift the veil. And so 
sure enough, I got home. Uh, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote probably the first thank you note that I've ever written, you know, not in my life, but in years uh, at that point to Ken. And it was more of like an apology, like an I'm sorry for doubting you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, great, let's, let's, let's do business. Let's work together. And so I started working on that brand. I started Simple Serve, uh, which is a trade marketing agency. We're small. I started the company with Eric Castro, who's a bartender in San Diego. He was also a f- good friend of mine. He'd also been an ambassador that worked for me at some point in our careers. He no longer is with Simple Serve. Uh, we are partners in a bar together in San Diego, a beautiful bar, lovely bar, <laughs> a bar that you should all go to, uh, <laughs> if you knew what it was called. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But uh, what I was saying about Eric is we also have a, a cocktail festival called Bartenders Weekend that we put on pre-COVID we did and hopefully one day again soon. And we were kind of married and it was like, okay, and this, and this podcast had started taking off, uh, Bartender at Large is Eric Castro's podcast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was like one of those things where, hey, we'll, we'll just, you know, we started this together. I, I'm going to take it from here. You're doing cool things. I'm doing cool things. It was very amicable. I still actually bring him in for projects, and you know, we 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 talk almost every day. But I started this company, and and we started getting clients, and we started doing really cool things. And it's all trade focused, right? And uh, uh, in fact, we're working on a great project right now with Beam Suntory. They just launched. Yes. This, yeah. They just launched an initiative called Bourbon Time, which is all about like reclaiming that restorative time in that in our lives that was lost the pandemic or stress. And we started the Bartender Playlist Initiative, uh, which is can be found. We have an Instagram handle which is at Bartender Playlists. Um, we're doing it in conjunction with Tales of the Cocktail. Uh, we just released Eric Castro as our first. He was also the guinea pig, by the way. See how it all comes back together? Oh, yeah. Our, our first playlist was Eric Castro. Josh Davis from Chicago will be next. Cool. Um, One of our past you know, guests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, yeah, exactly. He's great. I, I, I can't wait to. Uh, I've already actually listened to his playlist. I was I, I love this because music is personal, right? And so mm-hmm. when you're putting a playlist out that's going to be promoted, it's like you have to really think about it. Like, how how do you want to be remembered? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I listened to Eric's. I thought Eric's was really cool. It had that kind of vibe that you want when you're unplugging, you know, and just having a cocktail. It has a very chill vibe. And I and I said it on Facebook, and I'll say it again. When Jodeci came on, I was like, "Yeah, this is where I want to be right now in this moment." I listened to the whole thing. I thought it was great. Yeah, he he really for me it was it was a super eclectic and well thought out playlist. I don't know what I was expecting. I it was that was not what I was expecting, but I was really really pleasantly surprised. So um, that's a cool initiative that we're that we're doing right now. Um, you know, and so I, I brought you all the way to California, where I now have a, a great marketing agency called Simple Serve. I have a cocktail festival called Bartenders Weekend, uh, and I have a bar that will not be named. And I'm doing all these things, and things are going really good, as they are for many people in 2019. The sky was the limit. We're all moving. We're all moving. We're all, and then 2020 hits mm-hmm. and COVID comes and the bar has to close down. And I lost a ton of clients mm-hmm. and bartenders weekend literally was supposed to be the week after the bar shut. So like March 22nd was bartenders weekend. Things closed down on the 15th, right? We had to cancel that. So there's a lot of loss and heartache and <laughs> uncertainty. Denial. Denial. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I still can't believe it. And what are we going to do? And how do we rebuild? And what should we be doing? And, you know, I've got a family and all these things. And so, you know, we, we pieced it together. Simple Serve was able to get a few things going, with one of which I'll talk about in a minute, because I'd love to talk about it. It's all I talk about now. And maybe I should. I'll talk about that now, because I think it happened prior. So, um, and sidelining, this had been something that I had been working on for a while, because going back to Ken Austin and Jenna Fagnon, and Avion, they had sold it to Pernod Ricard. You know, I hadn't talked to them for a little while um, and, you know, got back in touch with Ken Austin. He he called me one day and he's like, hey, we're working on something. We think you'd be a great fit for to help us with this. And it's a it's another tequila. I'm like, oh, OK, yeah, I love tequila. Let's talk about it. He's like, but you got to keep this. this is super, super hush hush. We're launching a tequila with somebody you'll know, somebody who you might know. His name is Dwayne Johnson. You, you know, The Rock. And I'm like, The Rock. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I know who that is. <laughs> what do you what, what do you mean? You know, and so he told me the story uh, of, of the plan coming together. And I got in, like I said, I, I, I was on tons of calls. They were sending me samples of, of, uh, of tequila liquid from the distillery. Um, I got to help choose the final wet goods. And what a dream, right? Working with Ken and Jenna, who are two of the most brilliant minds in, in the business, on The Rock's tequila, which, by the way, I will say this. There's a lot of celebrity brands out there. The Rock, we call him DJ, by the way. So if I say that like casually, oh, you know, DJ and I, my bud. <laughs> There's a lot of celebrity brands out there. This is not a celebrity brand. DJ is a celebrity, mm-hmm. but he's not a paid spokesperson. He's not somebody who got brought in to a marketing plan mm-hmm. to endorse the product. 
he started this. He's an owner. He's an owner. He's an initiative. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that people realize that, Chris. I think that most people think that, yeah, that he was brought on like as this marketing spokesperson, but that, no, 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 no. that's a game game changer, right? He's wanted to do this for years. And, you know, I, like I said, I got brought in two years ago. It launched a year ago. Well, almost Mm -hmm. a year ago. We're going to have our our first birthday coming up in March, but um, uh, he started this, his idea, he's been involved in every step. He tasted through the 113 samples. We went through 113 samples before we got what we liked, you know, mm-hmm. every aspect. I joke around a lot because from time to time, he'll even change cocktail names that I submit. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, we're going to call this drink this now. It's like, OK, you know, whatever you say. <laughs> whatever uh, you say, DJ. Yeah, it's it's his company along with. So the founders were Ken, uh, Ken Austin, Jenna Fagnon, Danny Garcia, uh, who is who is the Rock's business partner and some of his other ventures. and. Um, I guess his ex-wife as well. Um, and then and then The Rock. So those are the, the four main part uh, founders. And then uh, I'm actually a partner in the brand as well. Um, oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you. It's, it's, it's huge. I'm it's super. On well, fire. We've been, I've been hearing, I feel like I've been hearing about Terramana and, and The Rock, like in multiple, multiple conversations over the last couple of weeks. So. Yeah. And and thank you for that. And it's, it is something I'm super proud of. I'm, I'm even more proud though, because I actually like, I, I like what the brand stands for. I like the tequila is amazing. You know, uh, it was one of those things where it's like all those decisions, like he, it had to be good, but it had to be affordable. We didn't want to cut corners. Um, so it's all brick oven. We uh, had our own copper pot stills made. It's, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of quality that goes into it. Uh, that again, doesn't get talked about as much because it's a, a celebrity brand, but mm-hmm. I've been to a lot of tequila distilleries and this is definitely one. There's no additives. You know, it's definitely one that I, that I believe in. And the price is good too. The price is great for cocktails. So that's, Another thing, and as we're dealing on simple serve side, put that hat back on for a minute. A lot of brands come to us and they already have their mind made up of like, it's funny, we get hired a lot to confirm or reaffirm decisions that have already been made. I was going to ask you that. Like, do people already come with you with their plan? Sometimes. How do we make it work? (laughs) Sometimes. And then it's usually too late, you know, and they don't want to hear or they don't. (laughs) <laughs> they don't necessarily agree with what they, they paid you to tell them. Uh, they want, they want to, yes, they want to hear that they're doing the right things. And when you tell them they're not, because you know, you get this beautiful new gin. Oh, it's great. This is amazing. Yeah. It's going to be $50. You know, it's like, yeah, no one's going to use that. You know? Yeah. No. I guess there's luxury. And there's a, there's a, there's a niche market for that. But like, if you want volume, this isn't going to work. No brand's going to put this on their menu, you know, uh, or sorry, no, no bars going to put this on their menu. Um, stuff like that, you know, uh, or where it should live on the back bar, or who they, who they think their competition is versus who their competition really is, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But Terramana is a, a brand that like, it was all questions and research first, right? We knew what we wanted to be um, even before I was a part of it. There, there was already direction to be like, it has to be affordable. It has to be good. And so I'm, I'm proud. I'm like, I'm super proud to talk about it and to work on this brand. I mean, it's, you know, that's something for me that I'm, I, I, I'm so passionate about it. That's that. So things were going great, right? Except that we launched a brand in a pandemic. We literally launched the brand after the, after the 15th of March, coming up on a year anniversary. And so again, didn't know how that was going to go. We knew we had, you know, our fearless leader, DJ, had a has a huge following and a huge amount of respect. And, you know, uh, but, but that's not, nothing's guaranteed, right? Right. So, but we did it anyways. We launched, we put a cool, killer, like kind of drink program behind it. And here we are now, I think Forbes said that it's the most successful spirits launch uh, in the history of spirits, <laughs> something like that. So it's, it's going that well. Is um, incredible. But, but with all the good comes the bad, right? And so here we are, launched a brand. It's doing well in the first few months of the pandemic. And uh, one day, late June, it was a Friday, I went to bed. And on Saturday, I couldn't get out of bed. I, um, I don't know what, I didn't know what was wrong. I, I couldn't get out of bed. I thought I had COVID. I thought maybe this is COVID. Uh, so I quarantined. My wife literally sealed up our bedroom for a week and she'd like leave food and water at the door, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't getting any better. My symptoms were getting worse and they were not in line with COVID symptoms any longer. And um, I called my doctor, like I said, after a week, and I said, this is it's not getting better. He's like, what should I do? He said, you should go to the hospital. And so I did. And then on July 9th, my birthday, mm-hmm. I found out I had cancer. I found oh. out that I had stage four pancreatic cancer. So that means it's been in me for a while because stage four means it's already, it's already metastasized. It's spreading to other parts of your body. It was in my lymph nodes. It was in my liver, five, mm-hmm. five lesions in my liver. And so that, that obviously changed everything. Um, changes your perspective on life, changed what's important to you, uh, changed how you feel, how you look. It's, it's terrible. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's awful. And, um, and chemo, 
being the treatment is no better really. So, uh, but I'm, I'm all for science and I'm, you know, I was willing to do whatever doctors tell me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, plus put in a little bit of my own homeo kind of pathic stuff in there as well. And I feel like a combined effort of all these things. Um, I, I help me make my own plan. And so, um, I've been fighting this now. Yeah. Since, since July, um, I've had 10 rounds of really, really intense chemo. And now I'm because of the progress, which, you know, I knock on wood has been, has been positive. My, my tumor, my pancreas has shrunk. Uh, the five lesions in my liver are no longer visible via PET scans. And, right. um, and I moved out to a maintenance program, which is, it's still tough. Maintenance chemo mm-hmm. is still chemo. And I think I was expecting it to be a little less tough, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I go every two weeks now. Uh, every two weeks I get chemo, much lower dose than before, thank goodness, for, mm-hmm. for as long as I can hold up. But unfortunately, this will be something that I have to do for the rest of my life. So, Chris, thank you for sharing that part of you. You've been very um, generous and very vocal about it. I know on social media and as your friend, you know, I just want to tell you just, you know, just thank you because your story is important. I think it's um, not only important to our friends in the beverage industry, but to humanity, because as you just said, when you get hit with something that hard, your perspective does a 360. It, It really does. It really does. And, I, and I'm not alone. It's the one thing I've realized is because because of my openness and because of you know what I'm going through, so many people in our industry have reached out to me who are either going through cancer, have gone through cancer, have lost loved ones, you know, have had scares. And one of the things, aside from the support of my family, that's really kept me going and kept me fighting is this industry. And it's funny. It's, you know, love it or hate it. It's a tight knit community. Um, you know, and we're not all friends just because you're in the industry, but but we are all connected. And the support I've received um, has been incredible. Um, the calls, the texts, uh, the emails, people stop by sending things, um, the fundraiser that's been set up, you know, like another round, another rally, uh, set up a hero fund for me, which I want to talk about because it really helped me through things. And it's expensive, you know, already my health insurance, because I'm a business owner, is outrageous in a family of five. I won't tell you how much I spend a month, but it's a lot of money. And then it it doesn't cover everything. Right. right? You know, and so all these bills started coming in and um, the the Chris Patino Hero Fund was was started. Um, My good friends at Campari put together some initiatives, um, not even through Campari, but just like friends, you know, Mm -hmm. that just came together. uh, And so, you know, just just feeling that help and knowing that there were people out there that cared about me. And it's funny, too, because it's like. I think the people that have reached out to me the most are some of the people I knew the least, you know what I mean? Like I've gotten, and I've gotten to know some people so much better now because of this. Um, but, uh, we, we did this. And so I feel like I have this support. I've, I've channeled that I've harnessed that I've used that in my fight. And now what I'm happy to announce, and I don't even, I, I don't know when this is airing. <laughs> don't know. Um, and maybe it, I shouldn't, but I will with another round, another rally. I, I was so moved by the, by the hero fund that they set up and that, and the money that helped me through this knock on wood, hopefully through this, that we're going to convert that fund into a fund that's going to be available for, for people dealing with cancer in our industry. That's fantastic. Uh, that is yeah. fantastic. You're really taking your journey, you know, in, in this terrible situation and turning it into something good for others. And, you know, something that I call you all the time, whether it's over text message or whatever it is, you know, I, and I say it, you know, because I mean it is you're a warrior, Chris, oh. <laughs> you're a warrior in every best terms of the word. I'm trying. You know? But so. yes, it, by the way, for the listeners, just Bridget texts me and they're usually like memes or, or dad jokes. And I love it. I love dad jokes. You can send them my way. Um, I, I think that, you know, they say laughter is the best medicine. And, and I think there's something to that, too. It's like it's a bit more than laughter. It's about staying positive and trying to find the silver linings, uh, even in bad situations. And Yes, I can say that a little bit more comfortably because I my treatment has been going well. But like honestly, it's day to day, and mm-hmm. I, you know I don't know what's next and or how long that this will work before we have to switch programs or whatever. I don't, and I don't want to think about that necessarily. Although you have to be mindful of that, you have to be prepared for that. But it's it's something that you know I, I took to heart. So I wanted to try and give back, even though a lot of people think I'm crazy. Like you're you're still in a position where you need help, and I'm like, well, I, I it's in my nature to help people. Um, I started another initiative. It's it's uh, if you go on the website, it's this t-shirt fights cancer.com. Mm-hmm. 
where I'm selling t-shirts that are designed, most of the artists so far, I think all the artists so far are industry related in some way. We, I say we, Dave Stolte uh, is a fabulous uh, graphic designer, but he's also a cocktail aficionado. He's also written a book called Home Bar Basics, which is now, and I think it's third edition. Uh, check it out. He's a great guy. He, he was the one that really kind of helped me to realize I could do that. And so he did the first design for me. We, we sell t-shirts online and some of the money benefits me and my family. Um, and a large percentage of it benefits um, PANCAN, which is the Pancreatic Action Network. So we're doing this to raise awareness for pancreatic cancer and donate the funds to, to charity. Our next shirt is about to launch. It's with Jill DeGroff has done a design for us. Very nice. I'm so excited about that. But we've had uh, Meg Moore from Love and, Vic- Love and Victory did an amazing design. It's a it's a bar spoon that's bent mm-hmm. in the shape of a cancer ribbon. And so and there's and there's more to come actually. So you know I'll, I'll do that as long as I can. And and it feels good to do it. And it feels good to donate money and raise awareness and do all that stuff. So again, it's just another thing that I'm constantly I'm just constantly trying to do things. And and work has helped me to keep my head down as well. It's like not working 100. That's for sure. <laughs> but but I'm very transparent and I've got a few great people uh, on my team that I'll that I'll mention. Um, Stacy Swenson out in New York. She used to be the head bartender at Dante. Then she went to Bar Pisolino. Now she's helping me and doing some consulting as well on some projects out there. I have to mention the third bar as well because I mentioned bars and not supposed to, right? Yes, so, just mention them all. Yeah, we follow uh, instructions very oh, well. She, when, I, when I when I met her, she worked at uh, American Whiskey in uh, I think that's in the Chelsea area there. She's probably worked at a lot of other bars. <laughs> Her boyfriend owns Attaboy, another cocktail in New York. That's four four great New York That's bars. Great. Good. We're good. Uh, We're good. Go those, I know. We could do a crawl. Go to those <laughs> bars and it. others and others, you know, in the okay. New York area for all your cocktail needs. Um, but so, yeah, so she's helped Alexis Pace, who's somebody I worked with on the agency side. And every time I say Alexis, my Alexa goes off, by the way. So that's funny. <laughs> it just happened. She's she's great. She's been helping, uh, you know, on the digital side of things, on, on just an analyzing data and, and some of the stuff that our, our program requires. My former head bartender at uh, at the bar that I own that won't that won't be named in San Diego, um, Jesse Peterson, uh, is an amazing bartender. And she helps out a lot, too, especially on drink strategy stuff. So we've got a little crew together that has been helping because, again, I'm not a 100 percent, but they're they're hungry and they work hard and um, and they know this business. And so it's it's been able to keep things kind of going and uh, and then hopefully keep things going in the right direction, you know, for whatever time is left. What what can you tell our listeners? What what words of wisdom really can you can you leave them? Um, because we are going through still a pandemic. There still hasn't really been relief, Chris, you yeah. know, and um, and more and more people are losing hope. They're losing their jobs. Um, I, I what, think. What do you uh, want to say to them? You know, it's something that I and I've said it before, but I firmly believe it. And, and, and COVID has certainly helped others to realize this is that we, our industry, and probably the listeners of this podcast, like we kind of live and work in a microcosm, right? It's, it's not necessarily the reality of things. Like we have, we have our heroes who are big to us, but you mentioned them to your parents and like, who's that? You mm-hmm. know, um, there's a bit of a celebrity that's been built up and not all not necessarily all positive. It's it's some of it's warranted and some of it is not. And at the end of the day, we realize that we're still all just human, you know. And I think what I what I like to preach a little bit is do not let this industry define you, right? Oh yeah. Say that That's, again. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Do not let this industry define you. I I I firmly believe in that. And 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 in a few ways, right? One of the things that I think COVID has taught us is that you can do other things. You can live your life in other ways. You can still bartend and still do start a podcast or start a business outside of that, you know, a t-shirt company, whatever. You can you can do more than just punch a clock and make drinks. Now, if that's what you want to do for the rest of your life and you're happy with that, by all means, my dream, my dream scenario is that I end up working behind the bar at like an Elks Lodge or something. You know what I mean? Um, where I'm like making old fashions in Manhattan's all day long. And that's what I'm doing and telling stories, you know, like, because even like, even the setups at our bars, that's, it's a young man's game. Mm-hmm. It's like so high volume and so fast and furious that like, I would be in the weeds and my back would be hurting in like the, you know, 15 minutes. And I look at these younger people go at it, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then they just, they're workhorses. And so, but like, it's like, find, find your niche, find things that you make you happy and valuable and, and find your position and stand up for the things that you believe in 
and don't worry about necessarily what everyone else thinks, right? Like, yeah, you can do this, be your own person, be an individual. And we've seen this starting to happen more. I think it's because of COVID that people have had more time to work on themselves. And I think it's important. You should never stop doing that. You should always, always, always invest in yourself, right? That's, that's the thing. Read books, make new friends, hang out with the people who do the things that you aspire to do or, or people that are the people that you like, that you aspire to be right. Find that. And don't wait for someone else. Like a lot of times too, you hear, well, I don't get invited to these. Figure out a way. There's a way, you know, there's a way. And so I think that's, I think that's the the thing that, you know, that I preach a lot. Um, And certainly with the people that work with us as well, I try and always empower them to do things that they're not comfortable doing, especially if it's a learning experience. You know, they always say, you know, from, 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 uh, from, was it from coal comes diamonds, you know, like, yeah. Stress is how we grow. If you're, if you're if you're not dealing with stress well, and some people don't, try and figure out a way to make it easier, uh, whether it's through meditation or or just networks and chat groups and support groups, uh, reconnecting with with old friends or relatives, things that are going to take that daily stress off your life, uh, because we we impart a lot of the stress on ourselves unknowingly, and there's a lot of layers, and over time that builds up, right? I trust me, get get cancer, and it all comes clear, right? It's like you start thinking about things differently, like I mentioned, because you don't know how much time is left, and now you're worried about I've got three children, I've got a wife, you know, um, Bless you. all these things, uh, you know. Oh shoot, did I did I set up that bank account the right way? Do I have life insurance? Is my life insurance policy good enough? All these things, you know, that you don't you take for granted, and that's why it's called insurance, right? You're supposed to forget about it, but yeah. do those things and do them early and call me. <laughs> I'll, I'll walk you through it, you know? Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's what I would like to leave. You know, I've been very fortunate in the jobs that I've had. I get mad when people start talking about like, Oh, it's who, you know, it is who, you know, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that you have mm-hmm. to be like their best friend. You just have to stand out. You have to figure out a way to make yourself stand out, find your platform. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I've traveled the world because of the things that I've done. I've, I've been to, I was trying to count up the amount of distilleries I've been to around the world. And I, I, I can't, I can't remember them all. That's the crazy thing. You know what I mean? Well, that's, I mean, Chris, I remember when you and I went to Maker's Mark and I, I don't remember when that, I, I had dark hair at the time. Let's put it that way. Like my hair was dyed brown and it was short. And I think it was like a decade ago. It had to have been. Yeah. And um, I, we went to Maker's Mark, you know? I still have those pictures. I, I saw them. It was not even that long ago. I was going to. And not that long and... ago, but I have so many fun just fun times that I've had with you over the years, you know, our, the- fir- our first time meeting each other was at uh, rebuilding. Was it in the weeds or Joe's weed bar? Joe's, Joe's on weed in Chicago. And it was after Katrina hit and the USBG in Illinois, we wanted to do something special for the USBG in New Orleans. So we wanted to help out our brothers and sisters who had been affected. Is Joe still there? Or do we have to mention three other Chicago bars now? Um, we can mention all kinds of bars. Hugo's frog bar. What do you want to, what do you want to mention in Chicago? There's so many, <laughs> there are so many bars in Chicago. Um, I can just I, mention them all, but I re I remember that, um, it was the New Orleans chapter that had decided that as much as we'd love for you all to come here, it would make our hearts feel really great if we could come to Chicago and help your community. And it yeah. was one of my most favorite projects I've ever done in my life. It was super cool. Yeah. And I met so many people. I, I'm still, I think I'm still in touch with nearly everyone who was there that day from Chicago. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I came up with, with the New Orleans crew, but from Chicago even. And um, uh, it was just that, that I, I, I don't know, Bridget, I think about, Again, we'll call it like the cocktail renaissance or whatever you want to call it. You know, like I think there's a lot of things that are touted. I feel so fortunate because another part of like not only who you know, but it's also timing, right? Mm-hmm. And these opportunities arise. And that time was special. It was. It, it was there was so much opportunity and so much discovery. Um, it was a little too easy in, in a lot of ways. Like you could literally just swap out a base ingredient and like you have a new drink and you invented it, you know, <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um, mixology, uh, mixology yeah. done, you know? And so, but the relationships and the people who helped to like kind of drive this industry forward and make bartending a noble profession again, not that it wasn't ever, but just like in the minds of people now, you know, and things like that, you know, and starting new brands and starting new chap, starting USBG chapters and starting new networks and organizations and just bringing people together. And, you know, that's, that's something that I think was so special. And I, I, all these younger people that are getting into things now, I don't want that to get lost on them because they can still, there's a way to do it. There's Mm -hmm. just got to work hard. You got to create those moments. You got to create those opportunities. 
but you know, it's just, it was, it was just, a, it was, it was a beautiful time to be part of something. And, you know, I don't know what is ahead for us coming out of COVID. You know, you, you look at a lot of places that are closing that places that will still close and, and hospitality in general, how's it going to change? How's, yeah. you know, like just even go, even buying groceries is tough now, you know? So, but I think there's a lot of bright minds in this business. And I think that we will forge a path forward. And we will once again be celebrating those moments and, and those opportunities and those ideas and those gatherings, you know, uh, but we, we all, just, we have to be patient, but we have to be smart. And now I'm just kind of rambling. That's, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. No, I agree yeah. with you. I mean, I can't wait to be able to go to a bar with my friends. You know, I also can't wait to be able to get on a plane and get the hell out of Shorewood, Illinois. Where would hometown. you go? I'm going to ask you a question now. Where's, where's the first stop on Bridget's Airways? My first stop is going to be Paris, France. Last year, we were supposed to take um, my daughter, Paige, who turned 16. And that has been um, something that we've promised her her entire life. She speaks fluent French. Um, wow. That that will be, I will be on a plane with her and out of here the minute it's safe to do so. Awesome. So, yeah, we're going to do it. Bad, that's not a bad place to go. Yeah. I, I love going to Paris. I, I've been a number of times, again, very fortunate and um, great experiences, great bars, great food. I love sneaking away to go to Cognac visiting. Yep. Like, Absolutely. I've got some great friends that live in Cognac and we were supposed to go last March. And of course that was um, canceled. So yeah, we'll, we'll do it. Those are, those are my kind of two loves are, are tequila and Cognac are kind of my, my go-tos. It mm-hmm. should be gin because I've worked, I think I've just worked with so many gin brands, you know, that I kind of, yeah. Yeah. Like, because if you, if, if you ask me like my go-to drink again, there's not one drink, right? It's, it's all about yeah. the occasion, the time, you know, whatever. Absolutely. But my, my, my pre-dinner is a 50, 50 gin martini. I mm-hmm. usually make it a Gibson if they've got good onions, but I'm the guy who will check out the onions first before I make that order, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, it's cognac, it's tequila. Um, what about you, Chris? Where do you want to go when the world opens up? Anywhere. <laughs> Honestly. Anywhere. I, I, I want to go anywhere that I haven't been before. Like I'd like to just mm-hmm. go somewhere new. Um, mm-hmm. I have never been to South America. So oh, I, wow. maybe, I'd love to go somewhere down there, whether it's Argentina, mm-hmm. uh, Peru. I've never been to Africa. would love to go to Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to go, the first place I think I'd want to go back would probably be Tokyo. Yeah. Um, I love going to Tokyo. Uh, I love the way of life out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'll, I'm happy just going to Palm Springs up the road, you know, <laughs> wherever, uh, wherever I can go. But, but I think that, you know, that's something that I miss terribly, but it's also been refreshing to kind of not have to go anywhere because my life for so long was just hopping off planes and mm-hmm. staying at hotels and random places. They're not always glamorous. When No, that's not. When you're in this business, sometimes you have to go to places that you're like, okay, it's a sales meeting or it's whatever you got to go. And then mm-hmm. the best hotel in town is like, you know, a, a Hojo or a, a Best Western yep. or a Hojo, you know, <laughs> um, and you, and you go and you do it and you make friends and you, and you try and look in, it's all about it's, mm-hmm. for me, experience you, the, the, the material things you can't take with you. I, I'm one of those who firmly believes is that our memories and our experience are the things that, that we do get to take with us um, yeah. that, that help our legacy to live on. So yes, that's, that's what I'm all about. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Chris, your story has been so inspiring and, you know, it's so special to have some of these episodes and, you know, speak to friends of Bridget's that, you know, you guys have had these long-term relationships and, and truly built the last few decades of this industry, you know, and the culture of the industry. And I think the biggest thing that you mentioned early on was making it a community. And I think you all had a big part in that and you still see it, you know, Mm -hmm. years later. And, and for somebody that you know, I've been in the industry, but I've always been on the wine side. And something that really draws me on kind of the bar side of the business is just this. It's that friendship, you know, across generations, uh, across um, all different life situations. And I think it's so special. And you've overcome so much your story, you know, just from when you started working to where you are now. And um, you're, you've just constantly been innovating. And I'm just uh, amazed by everything that you've gone through. And I'm my heart breaks that, you know, you're challenged and struggling with, you know, this cancer that that just kind of popped up. You know, Bridget and I have talked about your challenges. I didn't realize it was just a few months ago. 
it's incredible. And I just, I, I wish you all the best. And I, and I, and I feel and, and trust that you will overcome it just based on your story and everything that you've accomplished. So I'm trying, I'm going to keep trying. And I, and I always like to say that, you know, I, I'm not done living yet. And so I'm going to live mm-hmm. until the day I die. So whatever I can do, whatever I can, I, and I still want to help and I still want to be a part of things. And I think that's you, my And you do, fear. and you are, and you do, and, and you are. You're making such an impact every single day. I mean, and you said like, I've slowed down working. No, you haven't. I hear about you all the time everywhere. So I don't know <laughs> what that level of productivity was before, but I mean, you are doing amazing things. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I hope I have more things to do. That's, that's mm-hmm. my hope. And if anything... I hope that I can help or inspire other people to to keep going. And, you know, again, push the envelope, get out of your comfort zone. Don't, again, don't let this industry define you. Do do the things that you want to do. And if that means, because I was talking to someone earlier today, I'm like, if you don't want to bartend five days a week, four days a week, whatever the shifts are, um, then don't. Yeah, let's, don't. Do, let's figure out something else you can do. Mm-hmm. And if you still want to do that, like two days a week, and then there's something else you could do, like, awesome. Yeah. Because- that's that, that's how and that's how you progress right that's how you progress mm-hmm. um, but if you're comfortable doing that and that's what you want to do then be happy with that decision yeah that's yeah. that's that's the thing it's so. a big industry and that's what we love so much on served up is you know we we talked about well who are we talking to and we said well we're talking the hospitality industry which includes everybody you know i mean you i didn't know that you worked for glazers and southern glazers you know and have that distribution side i mean there's so many avenues you can go within this business so yeah i, 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 I think i've love. done them all <laughs> I, <laughs> i've done I, a lot of them anyways you you uh, really have chris yeah. i mean when you yeah you've done a lot but that's that's also your success, you know, and that's it. And that's the thing. Like you have to be willing to take the job in Dallas to get mm-hmm. the job in New York sometimes. Yep, right? Yeah, you do. You, you, you can't skip the steps. You can't. Oh, that's another good one. You can't skip the steps because it's, so many do so many do. And you really yeah. can't, if you want to, I think if you want to have the longevity in the industry that you've had, you can't, you can't skip. No. And that's when people talk about like, Oh, I don't want a bar back. You, you want to jump right into bartending. It's like, like Karate Kid style, man. You're going to learn some fundamentals there. When I was bartending, we didn't have barbacks. We didn't, like, I didn't either. I started like I was, I was a bar. I was a bartending barback. You know what I mean? And 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 sometimes I was the cook. You know, <laughs> like, oh, you want a shepherd's pie? Okay. I got to run back. You know, like it, it's, uh, you know. And so back in my day, you know, we used to walk in the <laughs> snow, whatever. But but still, it's like, well, put, put the time in. Don't, yeah, you can't skip the steps. Yep. Like that's that's important. Uh, because yeah. that's that's where you truly learn. Even though you think you're not learning, that's what you're truly learning. Now there is a there will come a point in time where you've learned all you can learn in that role. Mm-hmm. And if you're not getting promoted or recognized or noticed, then then you need to reassess your situation. Then it's maybe time to move on. It's time to look yeah. for other avenues. Yeah. Um, but but you still have to put the time in. And I tell yeah. my daughter, my daughter that you know, my daughter's a lot like me. And the 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 quote that Simon Ford used to say is you know bartenders are all rock stars that couldn't be bothered to learn an instrument, you know? Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, I lived that life. I was in a punk rock band for a lot of years. I was a horrible bass player, <laughs> right? But I played the bass and I sang, I should not be, if, mm-hmm. you know, it, but it's, and also it's like, I was too good. I, I, I wasn't that good. I thought it was great. <laughs> um, so when I see her, I try and teach her that too. Like she doesn't want to learn. She just wants mm-hmm. to do right. And yes, you learn through doing, but you gotta, you gotta learn the fundamentals. You have yeah. to, you have to be willing to take instruction, to take lessons, to, to absorb that. Otherwise you're not ever going to be as good as you could have been. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, so that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's all. I, I guess that's, I can leave you with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, Julie, and I want to thank you for being on served up. It's been an honor and a great pleasure to have you here. We do hope that you'll come back again, of course, and give yeah, us thank- updates. Thank you so much for having me and just keep up what you guys are doing too. I'm enjoying the stories. Um, like I said, I Thank just, you. I wish, I wish I had an accent to, to come on here. And, and, you don't you know, need an accent. You don't need an accent. I, I, guess, I guess you said you're, 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 you know, you have listeners in other countries. So to, to them, I might have an accent. Um, well, yes. you could, you could do the accent. I liked that from the beginning. So, you know, if you oh, want to give a shout out, give us a, give us a little Francesco Lafranconi. Could you please? 
Oh, but well, what, what what can he what can I say about Francesco? First of all, he's he's brilliant. Um, he's I, I brilliant. Love, I love him. He's actually one of the people who texts me a lot as well. And I and mm-hmm. every time it's something funny or inspiring um, or or random or, or random, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But usually funny, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Chris, um, you know, we have to keep a keep a learning the trade. In my time was spent in a barn and a shepherd. And I, I, I now actually I think I'm like <laughs> combining accents right there. I was doing it much better. <laughs> before oh, but, but if i had an accent you know that's the thing mm-hmm. if you want to be an ambassador that's what you need an accent you need an accent. <laughs> if, it, if it's that one thing you had, right? Like I always say that too. My yeah. husband, my son has amazing hair. I'm like, if I just had your hair, you know, oh, like, I, so that's much the thing easier. I miss the most. I had amazing hair. I had long <laughs> hair, like you know, down. You have a lot of hair. Shoulders. Oh, no, you but, had. Oh, but I lost hair. it. I lost my, you know, the the, mm. the chemo all the my hair. I had beautiful. Well, you've long got hair. the beard, and and you've got the. I'm trying. The hair coming it's a bit back shaggy. For sure. it's, a, it's a bit shaggy, but you know, I'll take it. So Don't anyway, you guys, thank you well, so much. Oh, thank so you. So great Chris. talking to you. Can't wait to continue the conversation. Thank yeah. you so right. much. Yeah, take Chris. Care. We want to wish you so much, um, just some, some great health and a lot of peace. And just thank you again for coming on. Appreciate you, you brother. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Right. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!